Voices of the Soul. I'm Dr. Barbara Byers and I'd like to invite you to look at my website, barbarabyers.com, if you would like some notes, uh, summary notes from today's teaching. Today, as I continue Voices of the Soul, I'm going to talk about desire, desires of the heart. And I hope you'll be greatly encouraged by this. It's one of my favorite things to teach. So the desire is our capacity to yearn for, to dream, to long, and uh, to aspire to those things that we dream about. It is a beautiful and powerful gift of our soul. C.S. Lewis called it a radiant thing. And John Gaynor Banks called it a mighty force that's part of the atomic energy of our soul. That's a really powerful statement. Banks said the kingdom of heaven within us is activated by desire. The kingdom of heaven within us. Really all Christianity is an invitation to desire. So I think it's pretty important that we talk about desire. To desire really is a gift. It's a gift of God. He has desire within him and he has created us with desires. And these really, desires really are deep, deep waters within us. Uh, the issue is how we're gonna let desires come up and how we're gonna let them be expressed. We know that it takes a lifetime for us to walk in Christ and be transformed into Christ's likeness. And really so with our desires, our desires also have to be uh, transformed and they're essential as part of our ongoing transformation. We mustn't ignore them. In fact, we must recognize them, we must reckon with them, and we must listen to their voice and give them voice. So recognizing our desires, sometimes we haven't done that, we haven't really reckoned with them, and we haven't given them voice because there's something diseased within our soul that stops us. So it's with our will that we choose to express our desires, develop our desires, and see our desires fulfilled. And it's with our character that we shape our desires. So you're probably familiar with Psalm 37, 4, that tells us to delight in the Lord and he'll give us the desires of our heart. So I think it's really important that we get the priorities straight, that first we delight in the Lord so that he can give us the desires of our heart. This order is very important to our soul because it, as we reach forward to attain our desire, if our priorities are out of order, if our character and dispositions aren't well formed, that is going to affect how we go about getting our desires fulfilled and we won't attain our desires with the right heart. So our delight in the Lord should orient and motivate and structure everything we do. Desires are very influenced by our beliefs, our perceptions, our experiences, our worldview. How we perceive and frame our experiences really comes into play when we consider our desires. For instance, maybe we've had some pain in the area where our needs weren't met, and we may begin to believe, well, you know, my needs won't be met. There just won't be enough for me. That deeper underlying belief is certainly gonna affect how we go about getting our desires 
met and if we even go about getting our desires met. If we believe there won't be enough, we probably won't pursue our desires well, won't expect fulfillment. So the journey of desire is a journey of our willingness to let the Holy Spirit expose any toxic messages we've believed so he can remove those, replace them with the truth, so our pursuit of desires won't be hindered. Our desires are inextricably linked, linked to our thoughts and our beliefs. So if we don't dare to desire or if we don't dare to desire greatly, there's some lie within us. There's some deeper belief feeding that. Or if we desire and recognize we desire, but don't believe we're worthy to attain the desire, then there's some underlying wrong belief in that. So our desires are gonna line up with what we truly do believe. And our wonderful inheritance in the Lord as believers is that we get to listen to the Lord, that we can listen to the Lord, that we can receive what he's uh, saying, what he's showing us. And that's the key to moving forward with our desires, is to be able to listen to the Lord. Moving forward, listening means we're taking responsibility for our own destiny. We're collaborating with the Lord and we're activating our will to desire. It's very much a part of um, how we view our will and how we use our will. And, and with our will, we order our emerging desires and we submit them to the Lord. Just this morning in my quiet time, I was praying and I just surrendered myself to the Lord again and I surrendered my desires to the Lord again. Those that haven't yet been fulfilled are still safe with Him. Now, our desires aren't the same as our emotions. Our emotions can change with changing circumstances and experiences. But, but our desires shouldn't. Um, or our desires can emerge and we can be really excited, but then the emotion of excitement wanes and we let our desire wane, and that ought not to be. So we shouldn't abandon our desire because we're not still being carried on the wave of emotion. And on the other hand, if we repress our desires, we aren't gonna flourish either. So. Naming our desires, guarding our desires, bringing to them to the Lord in surrender, looking to Him, listening to Him. This is all essential for our development. And we also recognize that over our lifetime, He's gonna refine those desires and He is gonna clarify those desires for us. Some are gonna fall away, some are gonna get stronger, some are gonna look at a little different. So we have to learn to retain our desires and to treasure them until such time that the Lord comes and begins to fulfill them in His way. And for this we need endurance. And for this we need faith that He's so good that we can wait on the good things that He's bringing us. When we are disciplined in our waiting, it steadies us, it anchors us, and, and it really provides the space for our desires to mature and eventually be expressed and flourish. Uh, we may have high aspirations and high desires, but we have to have the right priorities, habits, character, moral effort to match our desires so we can actually accomplish what we set out to accomplish. 
Sometimes we actually let our dreams fall away prematurely. Dreams that actually God has placed within us because they're so much bigger than we expected them to be. It, sometimes it scares us, how could I do that? How could that possibly be? How could I build that re retreat center? I don't have the resources. I don't have whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so we don't dare trust Him. But our desires are supposed to be more than we can do, more than we can fulfill. They're to be greater than we are so that we recognize it is the Lord who comes alongside and does these things. There is a greater one at work within me, the greater things. So many of us haven't been in touch with our true heart's desires because of fear of disappointment. Maybe we've hoped in something, we've been disappointed, so we dare not hope again. C.S. Lewis wrote this, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward, it would seem that the Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Isn't that something? That the Lord could find our desires. They're not too great. They're not too big for me. They're too weak. I want you to hope in greater things. We prefer to hide and be half-hearted creatures, as Lewis says, instead of bringing all our longings before the Lord. Sometimes that can be a bit painful to just bring him our whole capacity for desire because we remember the past disappointment. So our desires aren't too strong. They're too weak sometimes. God's desires for us are really strong. His expectations for us are really strong. Look what we're becoming and what he expects us to come. He want, the scripture says he wants to fulfill our desires with good things, that he longs to fulfill all our counsel and all our desires, and that he will fulfill our desire in scorched places. Those are three different scriptures. He created us with this incredible capacity, and um, he wants us created in his image the image of a passionate, creative God to also be passionate and creative. And so we can ask the Lord to meet us and fulfill that creative capacity. When we're living, really living from our heart's desires, we feel His pleasure. We sense His presence and His pleasure at work within us. Philippians says both to will and to do His good pleasure. So sometimes, um, perhaps from the way we've been raised or from failure, we learn to become ashamed of our desires. We're ashamed to desire. We're ashamed to express the desire. We're ashamed to talk to others. We're ashamed to ask the Lord. And usually, as I said, that's a, some kind of adaptive response from our childhood. Or sometimes we can be afraid, you know, I'm asking something outside God's will. He'll come along and correct that soon enough if we are. He'll make that clear. So sometimes, you know, our desires have felt shameful to us because we don't know, we don't yet know how deeply accepted, how deeply loved we are by the Lord. When we get that, when we experience that, we know we can come to Him as His child and tell Him everything. We can name our desires. He welcomes them and we can welcome them as well. 
So he encourages us to come and name our desires without shame and without frustration and knowing that every promise that he's given us is yes and amen. I don't think we have yet taken in the truly profound generosity of our God. He is so generous and he takes pleasure in our success. He takes pleasure in granting us our heart's desire. So uh, depression, anxiety can both suppress our desires and our willingness to desire, take away that capacity to desire and diminish our desiring and our will to move forward in our desires. You know, the enemy always comes to steal our hope, but our birthright in the Lord is to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 13, 15. So God's the one who gifted us with this great capacity for desire and it's within us Hosea 4.8 says we can direct our desires. We're going to direct them to good or we're going to direct them to evil. It's within us to direct our desires. The very person we're becoming now in the Lord is directed by our desires. A.W. Tozer wrote, Every Christian will become at last what his desires have made him. We are the sum total of our hungers. The great saints have all had thirsting hearts. Our greatest desire is for the Lord. And as He becomes our first desire, as He becomes our greatest desires, then all our other desires can order under that and be fulfilled and directed and whole. I believe the Holy Spirit just can't wait for the next good and beautiful thing He's gonna do for us and in us and with us. And uh, he loves to see our desires come together. He not only wants to give us our heart's desires, but as I said, he wants to give us desires that are way bigger than we are and that even scare us that God would call us to something that big. But when you think about Ephesians 3.20, it says beyond all that we could ask or hope or imagine. And by the way, our imagination, which I talk about in another video, really comes into play here. Our imagination, our ability to see with the eyes of our heart those things we desire and to take them in and to hold them so that we're pregnant with them. We need to activate not only our will, but our imagination along with our desires. So desires can have this true voice. The voice of desire is I long for. I aspire toward, but it can have false voices as well. And one of the false voices is, I demand. It's a carnal, it's a carnal fleshly voice, but it turns our desire into craving and into mandating. I mandate, I must have this. And anytime our desires are fleshly, it's gonna bring us suffering. It's gonna bring us suffering. And because anything unpurified, is destructive. So when we look at some of our troubles, are our out of control appetites, are our addictions, those are usually indications that something is hiding our true desires. And so we need to ask that. What is this fleshly thing hiding? What are my true desires that need to be revealed? Um, sometimes our desires involve 
what we want and see as good for another person. And we can also get in trouble there. We can get into control and manipulation because we are mandating that they change. But we can never do that. Desire never does that. Um, and we can also do this with God. God, this has to happen. And we pray these prayers that where, you know, we're going to control God into doing that. If I just say it, God has to do it. Uh, not, not so. Uh, we fall into a trap when we have an agenda for our own desires and expect God is going to have to do it in our way and in our time. But he disciplines us with the waiting. And in the waiting, our desires wonderfully get purified. Uh, sometimes our desires even arise from deceit or illusion. We can get deceived about things. We can think we heard from God and we didn't. Sometimes that happens. Or we can be deluded about something. And it's at times like these, when we maybe tried to manipulate another or tried to manipulate God, when His refining fires are a needed mercy. And indeed, the mercy they are when they come to change us. And we see this all throughout Scripture, when God journeyed with the men and the women in Scripture. And we see Him purifying their desires. We see Joseph spending all those years, not only in Potiphar's house, but then in prison. He had this deep desire. God had planted it in him. God had given him dreams that he was going to lead. And yet he spent those years in prison. And I think part of that was some of that pride needed to be uh, worked out of him. And he was also being prepared in Potiphar's house and in the jail to learn to lead men, to learn um, to be faithful to those he found in authority over him. And then suddenly, God raised him up in one day, took him out of that prison. And yet many of our suddenlies are years in the making. So it was his desire, I think, that kept his heart right, that he kept nurturing that desire. But we have a great need for maturity as we contend with uh, the atomic power of our desires, because they are atomic within us. One of the most chilling verses of scripture to me is Psalm 106:15. He gave them what they wanted. Another uh, version says, he fulfilled their desires, but sent meagerness into their soul. Another version sent, says he sent leanness. You know, sometimes we can so demand and God says, go for it. And yet the very thing we demand creates a leanness or a meagerness in our soul. That's why we need to continually submit it to the Lord. And um, we're going to suffer leanness when we demand in our own carnality. It's the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification that cleanses us, that purifies us, that matures us, that makes us ready to hold the greater things and the larger desires. And it's the Holy Spirit's who he sees when something's amiss in our desires. And he corrects that if, if we'll allow him. Sometimes we want good things, and they're not bad things, they're good things, but God just knows it's not his chosen best for us. So it's the Holy Spirit who helps us desire good things in good ways and to wait on the Lord for them. Um, so to mature, we're gonna have to learn to die. I talk about death to self a lot of this series, don't I? 
but it's the key to our maturity. It's critical to our maturity. We learn to die to self in the right ways. We learn to die to self, to the self-demanding ways, the self-mandating ways, and we allow him to come and burn off the false. And then some desires just simply burn away and turn to ash and don't return, but other desires come back even stronger, more purified. We reckon with our desires, as I said, by surrendering them to the Lord. Uh, when John Gaynor Banks suggested that the kingdom of God within us is operated by desire, he went on to say, do not quench it, do not crush it, rather offer it to God. You don't crush and quench our desires. That's the wrong kind of death. This means that we can just offer every desire to the Lord as a living sacrifice. We keep abandoning the outcomes to God. Lord, whenever, however, whoever, that's yours. But what I hold before you is this desire. And then we, we find that he reforms them by purification. The dross gets taken away and what's left uh, after the fire finishes with us. And by the way, it is a fire that hurts. It is a fire that burns. But whatever is left is gold. It's his action within us that makes our desires great. And we, we need to find out where are you burning? For some people, it's their ministry, it's their ambitions, it's relationship, it's their money, it's their career, it's their ideas of themselves. But wherever he's burning, we're either gonna encounter him or we're gonna resist him. Run from him, better to encounter him because he has great things for us. So sometimes when things don't go as we wish or think they should, the root of what's being tested is our desires. And at that point, there is a lot of temptation to fall into disappointment. And then that'll lead us to a, to a sense of injury and a sense of offense. And then the enemy is just taking us right off track uh, to waste a lot of time messing with us. And um, so one of our responses sometimes is that we'll simply hedge against disappointment by not desiring. Okay, you know, I just won't feel the pain of disappointment if I just don't desire anything. That is so not from the Lord. Uh, that is our own self-protectionism. And, um, you know, we may have desired a certain outcome, which is okay. It's our right to have a preference. But when we make the preference our absolute, that's when we can get off track because God is not just a God of outcome. God is a God of the journey and this is a journey of desire. He's doing something in the process and we may stop our expectancy, stop our desiring because we think it'll keep us uh, from being, disappointment, being disappointed, but it's really just our defense from dealing with the real issues in our life, dealing with the pain. And um, because to hope against hope, as Hebrews says, can feel painful sometimes. But part of our maturity is learning to deal with disappointment, modify our responses, be flexible, grow up, and not retain this sense of injury continually but look to the Lord and see what new and good thing he's doing. It can even take us down into despair if we're not careful. So as we make these adjustments, um, 
we learn, you know, we're not going to be crushed under the weight of our suffering. We offer it to the Lord, and then He brings beauty out of the ashes. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, to look at the things, not at the things seen, but to look at the things unseen, because the unseen things are eternal, and the other is just temporary. Inside these difficult things, God is giving us gifts. Inside disappointments, God is giving us gifts. He's giving us treasures in darkness, and He can cause our desert to bloom into life. When we know how good He is, when we know how well He can be trusted, then we trust Him to transform all of these things for our good. When we're convinced He's a good, good Father, we'll keep our heart open to desiring and lay down these defenses. So besides disappointment, um, another enemy is uh, of um, desiring is presumption. Kind of mentioned that. Um, it should look like I want it to look in the time that I want it to happen. And um, if it doesn't, I'll be deeply hurt. I'll be deeply disappointed. But that's, that's a form of presumption. It, and, and a presumptive pride can really creep in. And before we know it, we have this sort of slow, quiet, cold anger toward the Lord. I had a lady tell me years ago, she said, I'm boycotting God. I said, oh. she said, yeah, I'm not talking to him right now. And you know, God was gracious to her. Of course, she started talking to him again. But um, she'd let a cold, quiet anger creep in. But we have a beautiful capacity to move toward hope and to keep choosing. We have the goodness and the mercy of a sovereign and faithful God always streaming toward us. We can dare to hope because we know He is at work even when we don't see it. Even when we've had to wait years, like Abraham did, oh my goodness. And how many nights must he have gone and looked up at the stars and remembered what God had said? He was a hundred years old. He was a hundred years old when Isaac came. And then when Isaac was a young lad, maybe 10 or 12, God said, um, you know, I've given you your greatest heart's desire. Now take him up the mountain and sacrifice him on the altar. And Abraham did. He did. And just at the point of the knife plunging, there was a ram in the bush. But even that, Abraham trusted the Lord in and didn't withhold his only son. And so even after our great desires are fulfilled, we still must keep offering them to the Lord so that they don't turn into idols. God is faithful and God's going to show up so we hope and expect, but we don't demand. We keep holding our heart open to his possibilities. He's overcome. He will turn back our enemies. He's mighty. He will keep his promises. So let me talk for a minute about death to self again. Colossians 3, 1 through 10, you could read that whole passage, I hope, says, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, put to death, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put on the new self. All right, how does this specifically apply to desires? How do we 
put our desires to death? Do we just kill our desires? Do we just not have desires? No, 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 not at all. Certainly we don't kill them or neutralize them. How we bring our desires through a death is the death by purification. We bring them to the Lord. We let him test our desires. We let him sift out what's not of him and what's not best, what's not best for us. And then the wrong things begin to fade away and the good things uh, remain. We experience his burning as death to self. And what we can do is just to agree to cooperate wherever he's moving and say, yes, come and do this, Lord. Sometimes so much of the old gets burned out, it's like we don't even know ourselves. My goodness, I, this is gone, now what? And we can say to the Lord, plant new desires in me. You, you have burned out so much, and now plant new desires in me. What is it that you have for me? Um, and they're stronger, and they're more tempered, and we're more able to receive them. Dr. Carla Waterman wrote, Sometimes our souls may need to catch up with our longings. Our desires may be genuine, but the soul needed to carry them may need to grow larger. God needs to expand our capacity. We need to mature. Uh, they're too weighty for our present immaturity. God wants good things for us, but he wants them to come in good ways, and he wants us to be able to handle the good things that come. Um, we don't, he doesn't uh, just hand us something huge and already done. That's not helpful to us. It's, it's us, helpful to us to go through the struggle of forming those things. Uh, and he keeps transforming us in preparation to fulfill our desires. So what happens to us when we sort of realize, I think I've let my desires fall away. I think I have stopped desiring. What happens when we need to recapture our desires? Um, some, of, some of them have been long buried and we need the Lord to uncover that, to even help us realize what those are. We invite him to stir. We invite him to name those th things for us. We repent, Lord. I have, uh, I've been in unbelief. I haven't believed you, or I wasn't mature enough to even see myself uh, having an identity that could carry large desires. Would you come and uncover that? Would you work in that? Because he leads through our desires. So I certainly experienced this. Um, I was in my early 50s, and uh, I began to uh, feel the poking and prodding of the Lord. <laughs> Uh, to go forward with a PhD. And I sort of realized, oh, interesting. That's something I've really wanted for 30 years since my early 20s. But my goodness, I've been married 25 years and four kids and, uh, you know, ministry and lots of things in the way. And it was a desire that I, I didn't even keep alive. I didn't even think about it, actually. And the Lord began to, to reawaken that. Uh, he opened a door for a scholarship. A couple of my girls were away at college, and so I had less responsibility. Uh, nevertheless, at my age, that task seemed so daunting. 
and uh, I'd never done a PowerPoint. I couldn't remember how to write in uh, scholarly form and things like that. Uh, and literally, I almost dropped out the first week. They started talking about the oral exams and the dissertation. And fortunately, my youngest daughter prayed for me and the Lord gave her a scripture for me. And that word dropped in my heart and turned my thinking around, realigned me with what the Lord had said to me and gave me courage to take hold of it again. Lord, if you have set me here, then you must be able to give me what it takes to do it. Because I could maybe imagine finishing every course in four years, maybe imagining passing the orals and the written, but I literally could not fathom being able to complete a dissertation. And during those four years, I went through a divorce. I had breast cancer. Uh, my son was having a lot of trouble in high school. My father died. There was a lot of opposition. Uh, and yet God gave me the courage to keep going through because what he had set in me was the atomic energy of desire. And I want to show you something. This is a 400-page dissertation. I did it. Just looking at that again touches me. It usually gathers dust on the shelf, but um, through hardship, it purified me. It strengthened me. And we get to attain our desires as we wait on the Lord. I didn't expect those tears. So he gives us that ability to keep contending unless we give in to disappointment, unless we say, oh, you know, I just won't desire. It's okay, I just won't desire. But we mustn't, we mustn't give in. We must keep contending because he keeps contending for our heart. Our, our safety isn't gonna be found in retreating into the false self. Our quest has to be to boldly name our desires, recognize them, reckon with them, and keep moving forward as we listen to the Lord. We aren't to give up in apathy. We're to move forward in courage. So my question is, what maybe have you given up that you shouldn't have? What have you given up? It's one thing to commit something to the Lord and wait on Him. It's another thing just to give it up. And while we want to stay childlike in our trust, we also, we also want to war like adults. We want to pursue our maturity and retain our curiosity. But we got to be willing to wake up. Uh, have you ever stood up and you didn't know it and your leg had gone to sleep? It's a little painful waking up sometimes, but we've got to wake up and pursue the Lord. Um, sometimes religion has told us that to pursue desires is something selfish, or it's told us to only have spiritual desires, but we can have all kinds of desires. And we need to give duty a rest, and we need to take time to say, Lord, what's fallen away? Or what's really in my heart? I've never, I've never named before you. I've never really written about and thought about and asked you for it. When we do deeply desire and we find those desires thwarted, it does bring pain. And 
if we're not careful, that pain can lead us into hopelessness. You know, um, Proverbs says, says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's not so much that that particular desire got deferred, it's that we let our hope get deferred. And so our heart gets sick and we have to have hope come again and soar in us so that any blocked desires, any uh, anger about that, we can bring to the Lord. Any shame we've had about desiring, we bring to the Lord anytime we've been mistaken that something was God's voice and it wasn't, or we pursued something and, and made a mistake about it. We have to understand the mercy of our God and that He'll even use that for our good. We can learn, we can learn from it. So sometimes thwarted desires don't come from anything we've done wrong. It's just that uh, there's a delay for some reason and we have to learn to wait with confident assurance. Um, sometimes it's the withstanding of the enemy. And when that's the case and we discern that, we withstand right back, we push right back. And uh, we may have to battle for our desires and to, to push those through. Like I said, I, I almost gave up that first week. I came very close, but I re-engaged re the battle once I heard the Lord's voice through my daughter and through the scripture. The Lord knows where our character is ready to bear the weight of a fulfilled desire. So we keep collaborating and we keep paying the price to get ready for those things to come that we're asking for. Where the energy, that atomic energy has dissipated, it's by repentance and prayer that we get the water flowing again, that river of life in us, to fill the well, to, to reawaken our creative dreams, to infuse us with that ability to have a forward impetus until we gain that thing. And that's really the true self. All of that is in who we really are in Christ, to be able to pursue the Lord, to hear, and to pursue our own heart's desires and watch Him draw up from our heart those deep things. As we pray, long repressed desires may emerge. Also, grief may emerge. When we realize, I let that fall away, oh, I could have done that. Go ahead and grieve it. It's important to grieve it. Otherwise, you stay in regret and never move forward. But as you capture them this time, capture them. Write them out and don't let them fall away again. Um, and then we offer them to God. We offer them to God and receive His promises. So I want to encourage you, if you have never... Uh, done any journaling, start journaling, but if you don't have a desires journal or maybe um, a tab in your journal for desires, start that. And um, you can have all kind of desires, financial desires, you want a, a paid for car, a paid for house, relational desires, career desires, things about your life, your body, your ministry. Write those out before the Lord and keep adding to that. Um, and offer him your disappointments, offer him your grieving, offer him your double-mindedness or your resistance of him. Any shaky attempts, any counterfeit attempts, just offer it to him. He'll, he'll take all of that. And then as we repent of those things, as we change our mind, we turn back to him and we can receive that infusion of hope and courage and creative energy to desire again.
in faith, we trust that we can wait for the good things to come that the Lord is bringing because He is a good, good God and He is full of loving kindness. He has plans for our good. He has plans for our future. He'll be faithful to every promise even if we haven't seen it yet. He is a good and faithful God. Scripture says He opens His hand and fulfills the desire of every living thing. Isn't that beautiful? So now I'd like to pray for us, just get in a comfortable place with the Lord. And I wanna encourage you, if I'm praying and the Lord starts speaking to you or starts working, just, just put the pause button on, listening, and write out what he's saying to you and then pick the prayer back up, okay? So Holy Spirit, we thank you now. We invite your presence to guide this prayer, to work in each one of us your good and perfect will. We begin by granting you access to our heart, to our heart's desires, to that deep capacity within us to yearn and to long and to name and to give voice and creativity to those things that we long for. Lord, we open our heart and we thank you for this beautiful gift. It is a beautiful gift you give us to desire. It's so rich and it's so scary, Lord. Sometimes it calls us to something so much greater than ourselves that we can hardly believe it. Lord, we ask you to forgive us where we have let our desires fall away. We ask you to forgive us where we've believed wrong things where we have acted only out of duty or out of religion or where we've been so hurt and bitter that we've just become apathetic and disappointed and let our desires fall away because of bitterness, Lord. Show us any of those places now. Holy Spirit, come. Your desire, you know us, and your desire is to cleanse us, to bring all these things out into the light that we might be free. The cross frees us as we repent, as we yield up all these things to you, Lord, for your healing. Lord, where we've strived, where we've strived to fulfill our own desires, where we've strived to make it on our own, Forgive our striving. We even strive to find our desires, Lord. Forgive our striving. You don't want us to strive. Even in our effort, you want it to be a trusting, collaborative effort with you and not striving. Lord, forgive our fear of disappointment that has kept us back from desire. Fear that we won't pursue the right desire sometimes. Fear that we'll miss you Fear that we'll misuse what you've given us. Fear that we're not worthy to ask greatly of you. Lord, all these fears forgive us where we've played in those waters. Lord, where we've let our expectations of you wane, where we haven't believed, um, where we haven't had faith in your goodness and let our heart become dull, Lord, forgive us. Forgive our unbelief and our hesitancy to embrace our own destiny and to live under limitations that you never imposed for us, Lord. We didn't see your largeness. We didn't see your fullness. We didn't see your deep generosity and your deep desire 
up to establish our destiny in you. Lord, where we let our desires become demands and then blamed you for the outcome, forgive us. We choose to let our expectations soar again. We choose to let hope fill us again. We choose, Lord, for you as we ask you to strengthen our will to desire again, to desire greatly, and for our will to sustain those desires as they come up. Anything that was really of you that we pushed aside, we ask you to restore in full capacity again and strengthen. And we just determine in our heart that we're going to desire and long again, even where it feels painful to us. Just help us face any pain from that and stay present to that. Let your flames burn within us again. Lord, light those fires again, not only for you, but for the things that you have put in us uniquely that are from you. May the force of your desires for us come and awaken us fully. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your fires. Thank you for the purifying work you do. Thank you, you help us collaborate in the process. We want you to purify us and make us able to carry the weight of the desires you've given us. Things long forgotten, dead things, bring back to life, resurrect, restore, enliven our desires and our imagination, rebuild as you've promised the waste places, restore the desolate places, Lord, that we might be cultivated by you. Redeem, breathe life again, Lord. And as you burn away the old, Come and place new desires within us that may even surprise and delight us and scare us, Lord. Um, you want us to believe that you care about granting us our heart's desires and fulfilling all our plans. And so we just say, we look up to the stars like Abraham did, and we believe. We believe you will watch over your word to perform it and your, your Holy Spirit will come and fill and enable us. And we pray, Lord, most of all, that we will burn for you, that our greatest, highest, holiest desire will always be for you, that we will thirst after you, that we will know you. Thank you, you are so good, thank you. Thank you again for listening, and if you want some notes on today's teaching, uh, go to www.barbarabyers.com. Hope to see you next time.